1: What's up guys? Welcome back to the Stranded Phase Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. You already know when you're here, our goal is to get you unstuck. or If you are stuck and you're tired of being stuck, how do you embrace where you're at right now and use it to the best of your ability to inch you forward? I truly believe that our stuck phase is like, it's like a game. It's like playing Mario. When you get to the end, you face the monster, you get over it, and then what do you get on the other side? You get pushed to the next level. New level, new devil. I talk about this all the time if you're an avid listener. So it is so important for me to help you guys understand that your stuck phase is just a phase it is a part of your life right now that is teaching you a lesson data points that you are gaining so that you can be a better version on the other side so i want to invite you guys to listen to this episode this episode is a little different because it is an it's an episode where i was interviewed with Nina Hurt the host of the Real and Raw Entrepreneur podcast it was so much fun cuz one she's a client of Insta podcast so i have a great relationship with her but two I love her approach to life. I love the way that she, her expectation for anyone that she encounters is the same expectation she holds for herself. And that's to be truly real and raw about how you feel about things, about how you operate in business and to really hold no bars, to just not hide anything. So, I'm so I was so excited to be on this podcast. I thought this interview was so fun. We talk about how my journey to entrepreneurship, how I got to, how I started Insta Podcast, how I became a, started my coaching business and why I truly feel like every single one of us has a message in inside us, whether it's trauma, experience, the calling to lead a movement, whatever it may be, there's something on your heart. It, there's a gift that you were given. There's something that is part of your life that you have yet to experience. And the vision is just showing you what you do not see. It's something that's already been put on your life. You just need the path in which to get there. And so I hope you guys listen to this episode. I'm sharing it with you because I feel like you really need to hear this because I, in 2017, went into starting a podcast with no real clear goals or vision other than helping people and here I am 2020 a year of entrepreneur successful entrepreneurship living the life of my dreams growing my business and never ever once did I see myself doing this so I really want you guys to tune in this episode I think you'll truly enjoy it and so without further ado here's my episode with Nina Hurt from the real and raw entrepreneur podcast on how your story was meant to be told
2: Welcome back to the Real Entrepreneur Podcast. I am your host, the Real Coach Nina. And today, I'm so excited to have one of my good friends, Jessica Hurley, on the show. She is my amazing podcast producer, so this would not be possible without her. And an epic public speaker and one of my favorite humans and someone else that can just call me out on my shit and my potential when I'm just not shining as bright as I absolutely should. So, so glad to have you here, Jessica. But first, you know, you already know I have to say raise your right and don't, mind, year, the, don't mind the armpit sweat <laughs> it's fine do you promise to tell the real raw truth even if it's unsexy it's gonna be so unsexy get ready <laughs> i am here for it but i know like you have a pretty unique story on how you got into this coaching world like we've talked about this but i would love for you to share with my audience on how you got into this space and why podcasting
1: So short version, I started a podcast two years ago, or actually end of 2017, after the birth of my son, I had my son in 2017. He was three months early. And he was considered what they call like a micro preemie. And if I sound like a dumbass when I talk about this, it's because this was all new to me. Like it was, as it was happening, I was learning. It was my first child. It was our boy. We were so excited, my fiance and I, and I had him at six and a half months, like complete emergency, crazy situation. I ended up with like severe preeclampsia and had him and he was a pound 15 ounces. Yes. And he was born where he was, it was like a 75% chance that he would live. And he ends up spending 82 days in the NICU, the most transformative time of my life. I was depressed, sad, happy, all of these things. And we bring my son home. And finally, after 82 days in the NICU, and I was still working my corporate job the whole time. So I'm going to work every day and then going straight to the NICU afterwards because I can't take three months off. So I'm working and then going to sleep at the hospital every night. And there was a moment when I was bringing my son home. And I said, if my son was this freaking resilient, I'm going to stop playing small. I know I'm meant for more. I know I'm supposed to do more. And this boy just showed me what true resilience is outside of what everyone else believes, because I can't even begin to tell you the things that we were told that how he wasn't going to make it and he was going to be blind and he had a hole in his heart the size of a quarter and he had brain bleeds and he'd probably have issues moving forward from mental to this, to that and the third. I said, if this boy can be this resilient, I'm going to stop playing small. And as soon as we got back within weeks, my fiance was like, all these people keep coming over and I think it's to see the baby. And it's really because they can't live without your advice. (laughs) And he was like, they say they're coming over to see the baby and they don't even touch cam. They're just talking to you on the couch, bringing wine because they can't live without your conversations. And he was like, you need to start a podcast. And I was like, okay. And I bought the mic and I let it sit in the garage for two and a half months. And finally, it was like, one night I was sitting on the couch and he said, go record the damn podcast. And I was like, okay. And I went out there and I pressed record and I recorded this episode and I played it back. And I was like, that is the dumbest shit I've ever done. I'm never doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) I went to bed and he was like, how was it? And I said, I'm definitely not made for that. I was like, I'm a nonprofit director. Nobody wants to hear about my life. I have nothing to say. I think I recorded an episode about like how Instagram is affecting people, like affecting oh. their judgment and stuff. And I I just felt like such an idiot. And I went to sleep that night and I woke up the next morning and I said, and he goes, so you're going to give it up huh? before you even start. And I was like, I guess I could try again. And he said, yeah, you know, all these dope ass people. Why don't you just, if you don't have the courage to do it yourself, why don't you interview all these dope ass people? And I was like, okay, I can do that. And I had a friend running for Congress. I had a friend that was running a radio show. And I said, okay, so I scheduled these interviews. I booked them out. And this is the funniest thing. If you go listen to my podcast now, we're 200 episodes in. The audio quality on the first five episodes is trash. It's garbage. Like it is awful. Uh, Because I was using like this software. I had no idea what I was doing. I launched the podcast and I become obsessed with it. It just becomes my passion. And now here's the thing I want people to understand is my situation was a little different because I never started a podcast with the intent of like, I'm going to start this thing grow my brand, and I'm going to quit my damn job. Like that was not the thing. I was just like, I want to share my voice. I want to play life on a bigger scale. You know, I'm not saying I'm the cream of the crop, but I know I have something to say and I want to help people. Like that's what I want to do. And I still had my corporate job. And so I spent the three months while I was at home with my son growing my podcast. And Six months later, after I had went back to work, I was hustling this podcast. I mean, I was my biggest fan. Like, I remember showing up on Instagram every single day, like, y'all better go listen to this. You're missing out on life if you're not listening to this. And six months in, out of nowhere, my podcast just blew up it blew up. I don't know if it was the consistency or the commitment or what. I just started to grow a really engaged tribe. People were always telling me they felt like they were sitting on the couch with me. And I started getting those DMs. And you know how that works. Like, hey, I see what you're doing. How are you doing this? Do you have a coaching program? And I want people listening to this to really hear this part is you look at a lot of people and you think it's so structured and their strategy and they know how to be a boss and this, that, and the third. The first person that DM'd me and said you have a coaching program, I called my fiance and I was like, "Oh my god, someone just DM'd me and asked me if I have a coaching program. What do I do?" He goes, "You have a coaching program." I said, "No, I don't." He goes, "You have one now," and I was like,
2: "Shit." <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> people like, we ain't leaving no money on the table. <laughs> right. And I was so
1: clueless about this entrepreneurship thing. My podcast was called The Stranded Phase because I had no idea about entrepreneurship. And so I never wanted to come out and say, I'm the expert. I wanted to come out and say, I'm going to go ask all the experts what they're doing. I want them to explain it to me. And I'm going to get this content for free. And I'm going to take people on the journey with me. And I just learned mm-hmm. everything as I went. I always tell people, if I was to write a book about everyone on my podcast and pull out nuggets, you would know how to build a million dollar business. I have everything on there that you need. So it's, (laughs) I literally started my coaching and consulting program from that in the middle of 2018. By the end of 2018, I had nine clients. I was begging to quit my corporate job because I was talking to someone every single night. And I was like, this makes so much sense. If I just get my job out of the way, I can scale this thing and I'm out. And then I quit my job April 2019. I put my notice in March 1st, stayed for a month. And it's so funny how life works because... I quit my job thinking that I was just going to scale my coaching business. Like mm-hmm. that was it. I was helping women use their voice, start podcasts, start businesses from their podcasts. And I was like, I'm just going to scale that. I'm going to make a ton of money and it's I'm going to replace my income. And the week that I quit my job, this is what happened. The week that I quit my job, I get a call from this woman that I interviewed on my podcast all the way back in January. So she calls me three months later. She'd already been on my podcast. She has a big brand, 150,000 followers doing her thing calls me one day, literally a week before I was about to leave my job and goes, Hey, I started a podcast about a month ago. It's not doing so well. I have this huge audience. I don't understand what happened. I don't understand what's going on. Like I'm getting less downloads than you do. And I was like, well, what are you doing? And she explained it to me. And I was like, Oh, well, that's an easy fix. I know what you did wrong. And she was like, you can fix it. I was like, yeah. And she's like, Okay, cool. Fix it. And I'll pay you. I was like, All right, whatever. Don't worry about it. Like, no problem. So I fixed it. I called her in a week. And it's so funny because it was the week I fixed it. It was my birthday. I ended up getting engaged. It was a surprise. And I fixed it. And literally, I called her and I said, hey, everything's done. And she was like, well, what about this? I said, it's done. She's like, well, what about this? I said, it's done. And she goes, shut the fuck up. I was like, no. She's like, I've been trying to figure this out for three months and you fixed it in a week. And I was like, yeah, it's no problem. And she's like, great, bill me. And I want everyone to freaking hear this part. Mm-hmm. Because this is where we screw up as women, right? we have been taught to be humble, we have taught to be people pleasers, we have been taught to do favors, we have been taught to be nice. And there is something about owning your worth. And I was so blessed in this situation. So I sat on the PayPal website to create an invoice, which I had never done before. And I sat there to bill this woman. And I was like, what do I bill her? Like, I've never done this before. I've never like, fixed someone's podcast problems. I've just done coaching. I don't know what that's worth. I Man, she's got a big brand. I should probably just do it for free. And maybe she'll tell some people, you know, maybe she'll be so happy that I didn't charge her anything that she'll go tell some people and that will launch my massive brand. Oh my God. I don't know. I billed her $250. And Mm -hmm. Nina, I was so scared in the comment section I wrote, I'm sorry, I have to bill you because this took me so long. You said, I'm sorry. Bitch, I apologize to her for billing her for work that I did for her. (laughs) I'm being vulnerable about this because I want people to know we have got to stop billing this way. Yes. And so I bill her this $250 and I wake up the next morning and it, I have an email in my inbox that says invoice paid 1250. And I'm like, Holy shit. Oh my God. She pressed an extra one and she doesn't know it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I call her I actually FaceTimed her. And when she answers the phone, she's like smiling. And I said, Hey, and she's like, Hey, I said, so did you? And she's like, "Did I pay you too much?" And I was like, "Yeah, I just wanted to make sure you didn't." She goes, "No, honey, I paid you what you were worth." She oh said, my God. "I paid you what you were worth. Don't you ever charge a penny more?" She said, "I've been trying to find someone to do that for me for three months, and they wanted to charge me an arm and a leg, and they couldn't even guarantee that they would fix it. And you fix it for me in a week, and you wanted to charge me two hundred and fifty dollars." She goes, "You are worth twelve fifty, if not more than that. And I hope from this moment on you don't charge anyone a penny less."
2: Hmm. That's oh, so cool.
1: That shook my boots. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. That's how this business thing works. And we hang up the phone. And 30 minutes later, she calls me again. And I said, hello. She said, I hope you're going to do this for a business. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, really wasn't thinking about that. And she was like, well, I know a lot of people I could send your way. I think you should create a business out of it. And I sat on it for about a week, talked to a mentor. Someone told me that the only reason you're not starting that business is because your ego's in the way and you're so obsessed with becoming the artist through your podcast that you haven't considered that it might be the season for you to be the producer. Mm. And I was like, shit. Okay. All right. That's it. Like, that's it. Maybe I'm not going to blow up and be on Lewis Howes level or Jenna, you know, Gold Digger, Jenna Kutcher's level with 150,000 downloads a month. But maybe my role right now is to help a bunch of incredible voices because I really do believe that we were all given this experience and these passions and that we need to operate in purpose by sharing our voices and our testimonies and the things that we've been through to set other people free. Maybe it is my job to be the producer in this season. And that's when Insta Podcast was born.
2: Mm, I love that. I always love that story so much. I get so excited about that story. But I do think that it's important because you do say that it will come to you, just maybe not the way you think it will, or maybe not on your terms. So that's exactly what you mean by that, right? Heck yes. Like if I would have, I tell people all the time,
1: because when we get, when we get to talking about niching, right, everyone gets so worried and hung up on marrying a niche. And I really tell people your problem with choosing a niche because people always go, I don't know what my niche is. No, no, no. It's not that you don't know what your niche is. It's that you're scared to choose something because you're afraid that it will be wrong. So what if I choose the, it's, this is like choosing a husband, right? Like, or choosing a spouse, you're like, you're uncertain because you're like, well, I don't know if this is it. I don't know if this is the one. What if we get married and three years later, I'm ready for a divorce? What if all those flaws that I see are are the real reasons why I shouldn't do it? Like, you're scared because you think that this might not be the one and you're choosing the wrong thing and it's going to cause you to go broke or you're just unclear. You're just unclear and you need clarity you're not suffering from a lack of motivation or you are suffering from the lack of clarity. Because if you were clear on what you wanted, you go 100 miles an hour. We all always Mm -hmm. do, right? We know we want from Target, we get our ass there, right? Like (laughs) 20 other things. With with 20 other things, exactly. But it's like, you have to be willing to just try. If I would have quit my job Like what I quit my job thinking I was going to be doing and what I'm doing and making a ton of money and being very successful at doing now are two completely different things. Mm. Two completely different things. So what I quit my job with the intention of is not what I'm doing anymore. And so it's Mm. like, you have to be willing to transition. You have to be willing to try some shit. You have to be okay with maybe you're not the artist right now. Maybe you're the producer. You have to like answer the calling sometimes and you have to be willing to fail. You
2: have Mm. to be willing to fail. If I you been, are going to bring that up. You said failure was an expensive experience. So let's talk about it while we're on topic. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's
1: the way that you have to look at it is failure is an expensive experience. It's just you. This is the best way I've ever heard it explained. And I'm not going to take credit for this. Tom Bilyeu explains it this way from Impact Theory all the time. Is if you look at artificial intelligence, all these things that they're training these little AI robots to do is that when they like if they were playing chess, that they literally sit them down, never played chess before. And they play chess until they lose. And then they consume what they, why they lost. And they go back and they do it again. And they'll play it 15 times over until they learn from every single mistake they make, never playing the game before, because that's data points. So, failing is just data points for them. And we have to as adults learn that failure is not the measure of success for us. Failure is data points. None of us were born knowing it all. None of us will die knowing it all. So everything in between that is a data point is a failure. You have to fail to learn to go Oh, nope, that's not it. That's or that's something I could live without. You know, like I went into this thinking I would do one-on-one coaching and you and I just talked about this. That's not my thing. Group coaching is my thing. But I had to try one-on-one coaching several times ago. I could live without that. Same thing with relationships. Everybody in a successful relationship would look back right now and be like, thank God I was in all those shitty relationships because it certainly taught me what I do not want. You know, so it's like failure is data points. You have to look at it that way. You should almost be able to smile in the face and go, Okay that didn't work. That was an expensive experience. I get it. But now I know what I need to do. Let me pivot and move the fuck on.
2: Yeah, and I think I always say it's like a learning experience, right? It's a learning lesson. All these failures are just learning lessons. And I I can understand the same thing, like exactly what you said with it being super expensive. Sometimes like having that coach or hiring that coach, I've done this and less than impressive results. And I'll put in the work. But less than impressive results because of what they may have been teaching me, or their support wasn't as high touch as I thought. But that taught me something. One, it taught me now how I want to be a coach. But two, now when hiring a coach, I'm asking a million questions because I want to be sure I have the best person for me, right? There's such a thing
1: around what you just said, which is like, I just read it this way and I loved it. It was. You need to be as willing to say no as you're willing to say yes. Like you need to have a list of the reasons why you say no. And any coach listening to this, if you have not gotten to this point yet, be open-minded and considerate of when it comes because it will come. Is that you will learn you cannot take money from everyone. You need to have an ideal client. And I think, I personally think you don't need to have an avatar and an ideal client because you need to know exactly who you're selling to. You need to have an avatar and ideal client so you can know who to say no to. Mm. because you go taking money from everybody, you're going to get less than desirable as results for all of your clients that you take. And then that's going to yield results for you because having shitty testimonials is about the worst thing you can do as a coach.
2: Yes. Yes. And I always say that it's all, it's not, it's not about the PayPal notification. It's about that testimonial. Yep. That's all I give a shit about. Right. Like, cause you get more of them that way. And yes, the money comes with it. But if you can't show up for this person because you just took them on for some dollars, you know what happens? You get that rep, People are going to talk talk about you. People love to talk about their coaching experience, good or bad. Yeah, it's just how it is. You know, facts.
1: And how many times have you talked to someone that is coming to you looking for results, and they've already had a bad experience prior to this? Yep, so yep. many times. They're looking for a savior. They're looking for like, save me from this mess. I've already spent my money. I'm less than impressed. I hope you're better than that. And that puts a lot of pressure and weight on us as coaches to hear that information all the time. Because now you're like, well, how do I get your results? Well, I'm gonna tell you the first decision you need to make when talking to someone to decide if you can get them results is are they your ideal client?
2: Yeah. And what happened? Like, I'm always like, well, what happened? Like, tell me more. And what went wrong? Because now if it's sounding like it actually was a coach client disconnect. Sure, like maybe I can help you and be that connection point. But if it sounds like you're making excuses, you're not doing the work, you're, or you have a bad uh, apple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you expect and you put that high expectation on this coach to give you all the answers for six figures in 30 days. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it's like, you didn't get that result. If they promised you that result, and you didn't get it. Like shame on that coach. But if you're telling yourself, like, I didn't do the work, whose fault is that? But
1: this is what I love about you is how vulnerable and open you are because you don't sugarcoat shit. Like you're always like, I saw this post today with this. It was like an ad and it was some woman. I don't know who she was, but it was basically like, stop charging 2K for your best programs. You need to charge 100K. And I was like, who the hell is charging 100,000 for coaching? Like unless you're Tony Robbins have several seats. That is ridiculous during this time. Yeah. And I want to know if everybody in your program is really going from charging 2k for their programs to 100k. I would really like to see that cuz that's a fluke. Like even real estate they shouldn't be charging 34,000 like 30 to 40,000. That's ridiculous. And you come out to the world and you're like I'm going to get you to 5 to 10k. I'm not promising anything crazy. I'm promising something that you don't have that I have a skill set to help you have. And that's it. And that's the damn truth. Like you're going to get them results every
2: time because it's something that you have done before over and over again. Yeah. And I think that's where the most powerful coaches come in is like being able to replicate that success over and over again. It's not... Your fancy funnel, and it's not your website. It's being able to do that again and again, and see those results for someone. I think that's where it comes in. But I also want to go back on what you said on being vulnerable, and how vulnerability is such an important thing to have, especially in this in the online coaching world. So why is that so important, and how important is it for them to become their own biggest fan when being vulnerable? Oh my God! Okay, so I
1: want to talk about like. Because the opposite of vulnerability, so first of all, the world's way of connection, women especially, but the world's way of connection is through vulnerability, right? Like we connect through vulnerability. People need to like, know, and trust you in order to buy from you. And I don't know if you have noticed this with brands lately, but like we grew up in an era where it was like cool to spend all your money on true religion genes and buy all these expensive things to prove that you had, you were worthy, that you had money, that you were wealthy, that you were all these things. And now we've transitioned to see that these brands, everybody wants to buy from a brand with a soul. Everybody wants to buy from a B Corp, somebody that is making money, but also contributing to this cause. Like, you know, you want to go buy jewelry or a necklace from somebody that is giving 25% to someone versus someone that is 100% profiting. So we've seen this transition, people want to buy from brands with a soul, your brand can't have a soul if you don't provide some type of vulnerability. And I don't care what level your business is on. If you are a solopreneur to a business, a small business with 10 staff to 100 staff, you need to be talking about why you're making the choices that you're making, why this is personal for you. And you need to talk about your failures. And people are so freaking scared to talk about their failures because they think that somebody's going to be like, well, if she sucked today, then why would I let her coach me? Because she sucks. Newsflash, y'all. There is not, I ain't met a perfect soul yet. Have you? No, I feel you on that. I have had plenty of cry in the corners on the kitchen floor where my fiance had to pick me up because I was like, I feel like this shit is not working. And then two weeks later, it's working. I'm sowing the seeds and in the middle of the sow, it feels like I'm not sowing shit. Like, and so sharing that with people, because I think we've got to stop selling this facade of like, because entrepreneurship online has become such a, let me sell my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like, let me show you the freedom that I have. Let me show you how much money I have. Let me show you that I do whatever the fuck that I want. That's great. But there's also a cost that comes to this. I'd be lying if I told you I work less. I work more. I work way more than I did at my corporate job than I do now. I usually start work at 10 a.m. And I work until five. I cook dinner for my family, hang out with my son. And I go back to work at 10 p.m., usually until about 1 a.m. But Mm -hmm. I do this thing with a passion and a purpose And I flipping love it. And I'm not scared to tell people that I'm in the trenches right now. I'm also making more than 10K a month, but I'm in the freaking trenches right now. And it is worth it because I'm building something that in five years I want to hand off to somebody while I'm focusing on my speaking or my you know, transforming lives or doing real programs, writing a book. Like I have things I want to do and I have to build this first and it's going to be dirty and ugly and uncomfortable and require me to invest and spend money to make money. And people don't talk about that enough. This is not about Ferrari and trips and all this BS. It is hard work. It is something that most people will never do. The average person will never do because it takes risk, grit, and consistency. Mm. And people need to hear about that.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think it's just like so many of those like, they take almost like a mindset that, okay, cool, we're just gonna pop this in the microwave and pull it out in 30 seconds and have a six figure business. It's like, that's not how it works. Like you gotta, you can have it in six months, you can have it in eight months. But is that going to be done in a sustainable way to get you to those consistent 10k months, right? Yeah, exactly. Because think about this as an entrepreneur,
1: what do we always do, right? We have a bomb ass month, right? And then you end it and you're like, yay, hooray, I did it. And then the next day, you're like, how do I do that again? Yeah. (laughs) Like, Oh, shit, it's the first I got to do it all over again. You're like, I tell people all the time, it's like being a it's like being a nonprofit owner. Like you make the money, you spend the money and then you got to do it all over again. So it's like, how do you create strategies to do this over and over again? And I want to build something that is long lasting. I don't want a microwave business. I don't want something that I could do for six months. I'm going to be honest. And I don't want to be like these other entrepreneurs that transition with the times. I understand that we have to pivot a lot of times, especially with things changing and provide better solutions. But I feel like people switch niches based off of what they see that is working constantly. And it's like, I think that's okay. But I don't want to do that. I want to create something that is long lasting. I'm working on creating a media company. I want to create a podcast network. I want this to be very long term. And I just don't want to create, you know, that microwave, like you like you said, we live in this microwave society, and it's not fair. And it's not realistic. And if that's what you want, you could probably have it following some of these gurus advice, but good luck, it's going to be temporary, and it's not going to last.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't talk about is the burnout that you're going to receive through that, right? Like,
1: you're gonna feel it. Burnout is so real. I remember like, let me complete transparency. I remember like, there was this era of everybody talking about burnout. And I was like, you must not love your business enough. Like, I will never experience burnout. And then bitch. (laughs) Because it creeps up on you like depression. You're just like, one day you're like, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to do that either do I have to do that? Is it really due tomorrow? Like you don't want to do all of the things that you were once passionate about because you are burnt the hell out. On top of that is the people pleasing aspect that comes with coaching and entrepreneurship. And we have these personal lives. Everybody operates on their own time. So your corporate job set you up to work from eight to five, your entrepreneurship job is like, you need to be available when I'm available with Mm -hmm. all the people that you're working with. And yes, of course, you have to set boundaries. But it's like, this is a different trick pony. Like, yeah, completely different. So burnout happens and it happens fast. So it's like you have to be willing to set the boundaries up front. I tell people as soon as you start, like, map this out and be ready to say no. Because otherwise, saying yes to everyone, like if you have a selfish six months, six months to 12 months, like you have a selfish year, it's going to work out so well because then the next year you're going to be able to say no. You're going to be making enough money and serving enough clients that now you can say no to the right people. Like because yeah. burnout will happen and it will destroy your business. This is why you see people pivoting for shiny objects is because they were selling you on how to build an email list and then all of a sudden that dried out and now they see someone making money on podcasting. So they pivot like you don't want to be that person.
2: Yeah, because then they just end up following the money and not the passion, right? Like I see that happen far too often. I think a lot of times I see this happen with business coaching because I think i got going to hop in be a business coach, know nothing about how to run a successful online business and then it's like, oh, I see her making 10K months and that must be where the money's at, right? I don't give a shit what niche you're in. You can make money. Straight up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And li- you and I were talking about
1: niching. Like, I want that to die so fast. Like, <laughs> I'm so tired of people saying, like, as soon as you get on the call, they're like, well, where, you know, what is your niche? You need to niche down. You can't be a multi-passionate entrepreneur. And I get it. You do need to be the expert and the go-to person in something. But in order for you to start, don't let that be what paralyzes you or cripples you from starting. Right now, you can literally, like I, this is the way I explain it to everybody. And tell me if I'm wrong. You have six options to put your voice out there, right? As the expert in anything, you can write a book, you can start a podcast, you can start a YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, or a blog. So on one of these six platforms, you have to be willing to put your voice out there, whether it's through writing or through your own damn mouth, or through video, audio, video, or writing, right? And you have these six options. You can start sharing your passion now. You're not going to be walking into your purpose until you find a way to share your passion and use it to transform lives and move people. So once people... Are listening and tuning in and being moved by your content on one of these six channels, then you are walking in your purpose, right? So build a tribe by sharing your message. And that doesn't have to be niched down. I talk to women so many times that they just go, I just want to empower women. I want to transform lives and I want to help people. That's great. And then most people will say, well, you need to niche down. Is it a single mom? Is it a mother of kids? Is it, is she minority? Does she watch TV? Does she do all these things? How do you know your avatar if you've never served her before? you don't know. So go share your passion on one of these six platforms and see what happens. See who you attract. If I would have went based on who I thought I was going to attract, I would have been wrong. My audience is very different than what I would have ever thought I would have attracted ever. So if I would have tried to get do the guesswork and that I would have been completely wrong. So go share on one of these platforms, attract the people that come to you naturally based off what you share, what you're passionate about, Talk about your husbands. Talk about your arguments. Talk about your coworker—not talk about your coworkers, but talk about your experience with your coworkers. Talk about mothering your children, balancing it all, being a CEO mom, DIYing projects. Talk about all the things, and they will tell you clear as day that people that feed off of you and love your content and the tribe you begin to build—they will tell you what they want. And oh, they absolutely. Build off of that, then sell them something.
2: Yeah. And I agree with you, because I I don't think it has to be like, my ideal client is a busy mom. She's in her 40s. She has brown hair. She brushes her teeth three times a day. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, it does not have to be that way. I think it can just be like, this is who I want to help. This is who I'm very passionate about helping. And then let's see where those like, I'm, I'm always big on like, demographics don't really matter as much to me as the psychographics do. What does she want? What does this person want? Right? So, when I say that, I mean more of like, okay, cool, I wanna help busy moms lose weight. Okay, but do you or do you wanna help someone get through that breakthrough where they can finally feel a better relationship with their nutrition, with their food, putting their jeans on again, right? Like, that's who you want to serve. It doesn't have to be a damn mom. Who cares if she's busy or not busy? We're all fucking
1: busy. <laughs> we're, all, we're all trying to do too many things at once, period. No, I, I say exactly what you say all the time. I don't want to know. I don't want to put her in a box, but I know how she feels. Yes. I know what my girl feels and I want to help her fix that. I know for a fact, my girl makes 45 between 40 and $60,000 at a corporate job already. She may or may not have children. She is sitting at that corporate job and she has looked up at some point this year and gone. I worked this hard for this. This is it. This is I feel like I have a better purpose in this. I feel like I have something to say. I should be helping people and I'm not helping people do shit in this corporate job. I want to do more, but I don't know how. I'm paralyzed by the how. I've been beaten up, torn down and questioning my worth from some relationship. I struggle with self-esteem and confidence issues. I struggle with my circle of friends. They're still the friends I've had since I was 19, 20 years old and they don't really care if I do anything cool. Like these are all of her issues. This is how she feels. And she feels like if she put herself out there, nobody's going to listen.
2: How do I help her? That's who I want to help. And I love that you're like, other people need to hear how powerful your voice and your message is, right? And how powerful your story is. What you have to say needs to be heard to someone. I don't give a shit if it's one person right now. Someone needs to hear it. And why is that? Why do you think that that message is just so important to you? Your experience is someone else's survival guide. Listen
1: to me when I say this. I'm now talking into the microphone because (laughs) I am talking to you your experience is going to be the map. It's going to be someone else's survival guide. You, where you're at right now, even if you felt like you weren't doing shit, you are two steps ahead of someone else out there that needs to figure out how, what, why, when, where, how did you do that? How did you get to that place? They need your guidance. And our problem is I used to think all the time it was humility, right? As a woman, I would always want to go put my voice out there, say things, do things, help people. And then I would always think people would be like, well, she's not humble. She clearly thinks the world of herself. Like she clearly thinks she's a know-it-all. That is not humility, y'all. If you're thinking that, if you're thinking like, yeah, I, I could help people. I could say some stuff, but people are going to think that I I think too highly of myself. That is not humility. That is your damn ego protecting you. That mm-hmm. is your ego saying Don't put yourself out there. People are going to think these things about you and I'm here to protect you. I'm here to keep you safe. I don't want you to look like an idiot. These things, listen, congratulate your ego. Give it a pat on the back. It's your ego's job to protect you. But I want you to understand that you are being selfish by not sharing your voice and sharing your message and sharing your experience because it is just a passion if you do not. It is just a traumatic experience if you do not. You are not walking in your true purpose until you use that thing To move other people. Mm. And you cannot do that from a quiet place. Silent people help no one. Talk. Open your mouth. Share. People are so worried about having the most traumatic experience. You do not have to have a traumatic experience or a pity party to help other people. You could simply just share your thoughts. But share something. Set someone else free. Your sharing might set someone else free and know that you being quiet might keep someone stuck.
2: Mm. So open your mouth. So good. And I think it just comes down to these, unfortunately, a lot of people get in their own way, right? Like, that's what's coming up. And like you said, the ego's blocking. They want you to stay safe. It doesn't want you to go outside of your comfort zone, or Julie from high school is going to judge you, or your sister's going to listen, or your aunt's going to listen. And that doesn't fucking matter. It matters that one, I don't care if it's one, that one woman, that one man that needs to hear what you have to say. How do you get to the point?
1: So I'm going to ask you this. How did you get to the point of like, I don't give a shit. Like, I know people are judging me because I say this all the time. They're going to judge you whether you hit the mark or not. So you might as well put your foot on the gas. If you sit there and do nothing for the next three years, they're talking shit. If you sit there for the next three months and you get on IGTV live and you write a blog and you do a podcast every day, they're going to judge you. So take your pick, put your foot on the gas or lay on the couch, but you get to decide. But when did you
2: decide that
1: you were like, I don't give a shit anymore?
2: Honestly, I think it was like after probably like six or eight months, like in business. And I was like so nervous to say anything outside of the box. I, ha- I was like really stuck in vanilla land. Like that's what I call it. <laughs> like nothing different. I was the same basic bitch and <laughs> nothing, nothing was different. So it would be like.
1: The title of this episode has to be Don't Be a Basic Bitch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Don't I'll be a vanilla bitch. But I was starting to see like. Why do people like, why are people so compelled to other people or certain coaches? Or, you know, I started getting the comparison game way back when. Why are they so compelled to them? It's because they have shit to say, they have a story, and they stood outside of your basic norms. And I'm not saying like they had some outrageous shit going on, they just was very simple. They had these brand pillars, they knew, like, people knew these things, knew them for their story, right? Like, I can name you five influencers that I know, and I could tell you their story because they've said it. 15 fucking times in the past two months. You know what I mean? So for me, it was more like, what's going to make me different? Like starting an online fitness coach and what, the, who, there's one million online fitness coaches. Why me? Right? right. So when you start living, and I have a lot of clients that have to get through this, is when you start living in the why me and why not someone else, that's only going to paralyze you. And that's what it was doing. So it was like, you know what? I hid, I said this on my podcast before, I hid, I hid the fact that I was a lesbian. I hid the fact that I had a job. I hid so many they I hid the fact that we were poor growing up. I hid the fact that I had a master's degree because I didn't want to be overqualified, right? And so we do this as women, right? right? So I'm like, these are things though that can be good stories and can be things that are interesting to my audience, right? Like I'm different because I'm bold enough to say the shit that is on my mind. I'm different because I can say like straight up, like I'm going to hide the woman that I've loved for the past three years for what? some internet people, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, I got to the point. I'm like, you know what? If they unfollow me, they unfollow me. That's cool. And
1: your willingness to be like polarizing though, is what has attracted the realest people to you. Yeah. The, the ideal clients. And you have to be willing to be your full self. Like you have to be, because that's how you're going to attract the right people like, and you've done such an incredible job of it. And this is what I love, because the things that you're talking about, they were the very things that scared you and made you feel like you were an outcast and you wouldn't make it. These are not your superpowers.
2: Yeah, being exactly.
1: open about being a lesbian, being open about having a corporate job. You're always like, hey, I'm at work and I'm doing this and I'm talking to a one on one client. Like, you're like, hey, it is what it is. You know, like, you have opened up about all these things. And truth be told, did you ever feel like, oh, man, I lost a ton of followers from that? Or, oh, so many people called me out on my shit. Or was it you felt like you had more more people gravitate towards you when you started being more open about it?
2: Yeah, it was like, it was amazing. Like when I said, I think I told, I told the story on my podcast. So I'm sure you've heard it. But I literally have said, I swear to God, the first time I ever posted anything about it, I made a post, I wrote down my follower count, and I posted that shit. I was so scared. Nothing happened. No one unfollowed me. I think I gained a couple. <laughs> like I was so Oh my God, was gonna be so mad at me. And I'm like, okay, first of all, usually they probably know already. And yeah. secondly, like it's not a surprise. Secondly, like no one gives a fuck. And if they want to unfollow you, that's good. They were never gonna buy from you anyways. It don't matter. That yeah. part. What you just said, nobody we give, give people too much credit, they don't give a shit. No. <laughs> and why do we give a shit? Like I started to think like, do I really care? Like, really think about that deeply. Do I really, like, I come home every day to a wife that supports me doing the shit that I'm doing, that does, you know, different housework or is making me a nice-ass meal, someone I love, and I'm going to fucking hide that because of Britney on the internet? What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, listen to how some, you sound. Like, yeah, some crazy shit, man. Like, that makes no sense.
1: <laughs> right. That makes so much sense. Like, it's so cool that... It's so funny when you say that, that you like posted it and you didn't lose any followers because it's so true. Like we give people too much credit. If we really like, if you think about it, like you got some nerve to think that people care that much.
2: Yeah, Like Like my ego was like, yeah, like you, but I mean, same when I tell the story of we grew up in poverty, we grew up on food stamps, we grew up evicted. Like someone reads that story like, oh shit, we were poor. Oh shit. Someone once told me that I couldn't do this too, right? Like, even if they didn't grow up poor, someone may have said like, you have to go to school. You have, and I've told this story too. You have to go to school. You get that degree, get your corporate job. That's happiness. Yeah, fuck that. And you and I both feel the same way. And I think that even just people knowing that that story, I posted about being in in school and got my master's degree and like, ooh, go me, right? Three people slid in my DMs that day. I was like, oh shit, I just felt the same way. I don't feel good about finishing school, but I know I have to for my parents. Like, you don't fucking want to. Right. You know, that's not going to make you happy at the end of the day.
1: Mm -mm. I went and got my master's degree because I thought it measured. It was a measurement for the level of success I had. I went back when I was 24, when I had the support, actually, I went back once and failed. And then I went back two years later, because I said, I kept having on this list of things that I was going to get my master's degree before I was 30. I was like, that is like the equivalent of success. I'll get the master's degree, I'll get a significant raise. And then like, I'll have a white picket fence and kids and it'll be like this great life. And thank God for my fiance, because he's a nutcase. And he will do any he just throws himself out there like there's and he doesn't have a college degree at all. And He makes four times 10 times more money than I do. And he supported me to go back and get my master's. I got that done by 27. And I looked up six months later, and I was like, that wasn't it. Like I still have this gaping hole of and it's not more money. It's not the master's degree. Like I want to serve more people. I want to live a purposeful life. And this is not it. And I the master's degree was just a void. It was filling a void. I think a lot of times this isn't for everybody. A lot of people go back to school though because they look up and they're like, is this it? I went to college. I got this job for $40,000 a year, $50,000 a year. I'm 25 now. Is that it? Yep. And yep. Then you're filling every a, day. Yeah, you're filling a void. And it's like, now I cannot explain the energy I wake up with, but it is. Listen, all people tell me all the time is like, my mom text my fiance a couple months ago and was like, you have made my daughter the happiest person ever. And not because of the way you love her only, but because how you like encouraged her and taught her to be a business owner because this is the happiest I've ever seen her.
2: Oh, my God. So cute. Yeah.
1: But it's like, this was it. This was the whole I wake up so powered up every day to run my business to work with my team to help new people to meet new people to transform people you know to help people have a voice to reach the masses to reach people globally that are so your podcast is streaming in 30 plus different countries like that is insane that is I think now and I think back to my corporate job and I'm like shit I would have been selling myself short. I would have been operating at ten percent of who I could have potentially been. That's crazy. Adhering to what someone wanted from me to make their business massive, I would have been completely selling myself short.
2: Yeah, absolutely, same. And it, like, it's just walking into that corporate job every single day, and you're like, "Oh, this is it. Yeah. This is all. This is all it is. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. it. This is what they hyped me up about. <laughs> <laughs> this is hundred grand later, what this is all about. Huh? <laughs> cool. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't that cool, but. I do agree with you on that. And I do fully agree that like, especially the podcasting, I think that it's a really good way for them to express themselves and their voice and use those things that they are maybe considering flaws, if you will, and using that and making it something so powerful and letting go of that fear of judgment from other other people. So if someone is even thinking about starting a podcast, what are some things you would say to them? Oh, my
1: God, do it, do it, do it, do it do it. And I'm going to throw some quick stats at you guys because we've been talking way too long. If you're thinking that you want to put your voice out there and you want to start somewhere and you don't know where to start, it is alarming and overwhelming to start on social media platforms because you feel like you're yelling in a sea of people. You're like, you're in a concert crowd trying to get the artist to see you. It just feels overwhelming. You hear this word oversaturated all the time. So let me throw some stats at you guys. And I'm not downing Instagram because you need Instagram to pair with your podcast. Absolutely. But there are over a billion users on Instagram. There are over a billion users on Facebook. There's over 50 million content creators on YouTube. And that's not users. That's 50 million registered content creators on YouTube that you would be competing with for likes, views and shares. Then there's 19 million active blogs. There's only 250,000 active podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yet, podcasting is set to be a 2 billion dollar industry next year. So there is so much potential. I swear to God it's going to be the Netflix for the years. There's and this is your own radio show. You control it. And Nielsen Media Research came out with a something a couple months ago that said the average viewer watches YouTube for 5 minutes they listen to your insta or they view your instagram for 5 minutes they will read a blog for maybe over 5 to 6 minutes 5 to 7 minutes the average podcast listener listens to your podcast for 26 minutes or more mm-hmm. so you want to talk about a place and an opportunity to scale intimacy podcasting and that goes all the way back to that loyalty and that brand building and that brand with a soul people listen to three or four podcast episodes they feel like they're your sibling and they know you and they love you and they like you and they're like what else give me more what can I buy from you the ability to generate leads through a podcast if you do it right it's just like that
2: yeah yeah I agree I agree I love it and I love club podcasting because sometimes people will be messaging me like I love that episode like that episode made me cry I love this and It just can evoke so much emotion because like you said in the beginning, like they literally feel like they're sitting there on the damn couch with you, right? Yes. And think about how many people that you have met is the cheapest
1: form of networking you will ever have. We usually have to pay to be in circles with some of these people. But if you ask them to be on your podcast, you can chit chat with them for an hour for free. And then you build your network. I found one of my most powerful mentors that charges an arm and a leg. We are friends now. And I met her from having her on my podcast.
2: Hmm. Yeah, so it's so good, and I think that I think that that's like there's something really good to be said about like using your voice, having this podcast, and just being able to reach so many more people. One, and I think too, if I think about it, like I really think about it, and even in comparison to Instagram, people aren't watching your story for 15 minutes; they're just not. No. People aren't watching your fucking IGTV for 25 minutes; they're not. Instagram's quick; they want to get to the point and move the fuck on. Yep. With podcasting, they go maybe they're on a walk. Maybe they're in their car, going to work, wherever the hell they're going. You're helping them through that. Well, who do you think they're going to be listening to? They're not scrolling through Instagram when they're going on a walk or they got their headphones in on the treadmill or, you know, they're driving somewhere. This is all like it's all audio for them. And no they're one's looking up to, your social media. Yeah. And they're looking to be
1: transformed and they're looking to be educated and they're looking to for Zen and this time of peace. I say this all the time. Millennials want to multitask. They want to walk and consume content. They want to run on the treadmill and consume content. They want to vacuum the house and consume content. But they want to feel like they're getting gems, like tangible information. So, this is how you build authority. You build authority by starting a podcast and teaching someone something whether you're the expert or not, and then you go send them to your Instagram. And this is how this is how I built my tribe. I started my podcast with 1700 followers. I have almost 11,000 followers now, solely built this off my podcast. Sending people from my podcast to my Instagram, giving them education, free value, tangible information, and then sending them to my
2: Instagram. So good. Yes, I think that's so powerful. It is so powerful. I'm so glad like one, I'm glad that I have you as my producer, but two, I'm glad that I found you and someone like referred me to you and I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to do this. Let the experts do what they do. <laughs> Yes. And I always laugh because anytime I try to do something on my own that I ne- I have no business doing, I'm like, no, just pay someone. <laughs> like it's yeah. not worth take, it. Take my money. Do the thing that you do. <laughs> yep, exactly. You're the expert for a reason. So, but I have to ask you, and you know, this has to be the final question. Do you have any last real and raw words for the people listening?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Do it scared. Do it imperfectly. Just do it. Like, And I know everyone says that, but confidence doesn't like you can't wait for confidence to come your way. You have to practice until you're confident and know some of your favorite gurus and some of your favorite influencers and some of the coaches that you're willing to pay thousands of dollars. They had to start somewhere. They had to start freaked out, ready to pee their pants, shaking underneath the table, unsure of how to tell their story, maybe had to tell it 10, 15 times before they perfected it or made it in a way that it was relatable to you. You don't need to wait on any of those things to start. Start sharing, start loving people, start finding ways to exchange value. And eventually you can turn that into ways to exchange value in return for money. And that's how you start a business. And I hear too many times people say, I'm so passionate. I just want to do what I'm passionate about. Passion can run you, it can't run your business. Cash runs your business. So you have to get to a point where you are giving, 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 and then exchanging value for the return of a dollar amount. And that has to start somewhere with you sharing. So just share, be willing to transform people, get to know the people that you serve, and you can start that way. Just don't wait until it's perfect. Start now.
2: So good. Yes, I appreciate that. and I love that so much. But I really want to say thank you so much for coming on. And I can't wait to just like continue to connect with you even further. Like this has been such a good relationship that we've been building in general, but you know, I have to end with letting the people know where the hell they can find you and follow this ball of energy. In the sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why
1: we, that's why we have so much fun. Cause I was like, she gets me. Like she's a ball of energy just like me. She gets me. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram at Jessica Hurley, H-U-R-L-E-Y underscore. It's at Jessica Hurley. You can check out more about our, our services, our podcast management services. This, this is a seamless, convenient process for anyone wanting to start and have a podcast producer that feel like they don't have the time. We care for everything. That's Instapodcasts with an S dot com. And you can follow me on Instagram or schedule your first call with a representative at instapodcast.com. Or if you want to DIY your podcasting, a lot of people want to know how to do it from beginning to end, podcastingyourpassion.com is where you can find our DIY course on everything you need to know about podcasting.
2: Yes, yeah, so good. I love it. If I, if I wouldn't have you, I'd buy that course. <laughs> Except we do everything for you. because
1: yes, exactly. <laughs> thanks, thanks a million for having me, Nina. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon.
0: Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Stranded Podcast.